Hey everybody, okay, now you see me. Hi. Okay. Who are these people? Hey y'all. This is this is Indy and this is Hembo. And this is nobody wants to work anymore. We still don't. No, no, well, well, we do, but we don't. But we all need to, to make money in this shithole capitalist society, so we have no choice but to. So we're just making fun of the fact that the, the newspapers and corporate media gaslight us every week. So um yeah, it's it's by the way, we're gonna start out by saying that this is a Nazi-free zone, uh, though we have a Canadian in the house. I'm going to give him a chance to have the microphone and speak for his country. Yeah, I would just like to. Um, I would just like to speak on behalf of pretty much all Canadians and saying that uh, we don't normally clap for uh, clap for Nazis, um, but I think if you ever want to ask yourself, I wonder how down bad Canada is. That's that's how down bad we are. We're right. We're right there. So it's uh, it's going great up here. And what I find really, really funny is um, there was a certain uh, protest event a while back where the whole parliament was up in arms over a uh, certain uh, flag. And it's I, I'm sorry, I can't help but feel some schaden schaden for I, I, I can't pronounce it. Schadenfreude. Um, Yes. Some, yeah, I can't help but feel like even some vindication towards like the 180 that has happened here. Oh my god. Anyway, yeah. Um I, yeah. I don't have a stronger denouncement of what what happened. I'm like I, I I I'm trying to joke about it, but I'm actually I'm actually pretty livid. And every Canadian I know is livid as well. That is that is beyond disgusting. Like, I mean, I mean, literally, I have, like the, I, have, I did not see that one coming. Is it's the definition of I did not see that coming. Oh my goodness! Um, like nobody, nobody needed that. You just like, and I'm sorry. They're like, well, why didn't anybody vet it? First off, the fucking conservatives saying nobody vetted it. Y'all are running some like covert defense over there. And y'all all clapped as well. So fuck you guys. Pretending Everyone. that you're like the lesser evil in this situation. That I saw who clapped. Okay. And this whole like you didn't vet this person. You introduced him pretty well. Um, it was a pretty it was a pretty clear introduction before the clapping happened, right? Uh you know, uh fought against you know, fought against, who fought against the Soviets in that war? Well, we know it wasn't the Allies. We know it wasn't any other faction. That leaves one. So if you didn't put two and two together there, and then you stood up and clapped, yeah, you can go fuck yourself. As oh, they definitely, concerned, well, they weren't like, listening because Zelensky was in the thing, and it's all about Ukraine, Ukraine, Ukraine beating Russia. So it's like, you know, today's war is clouding their vision of history and it's oh oh so we gave a standing o to a nazi oh we're sorry i mean that's it's it's the oh and and don't fall for russian misinformation propaganda about it dude that trudeau today with that gaslight man that is world-class like first-class yeah, bullshit no, there's, right there there's 
I've never seen anybody better at narcissistic manipulation than him. I've never seen someone that good at it. He's like a pro. The fact that he even has to like what's gross to me is he can't he can't even sit with it. He can't just sit with and this is how you know someone's sincere when they're apologizing or actually accepting accountability for something. He can't even sit with like this was an oopsie and that's that. He's got to throw out like Russian propaganda. And that's how you can tell because it's never like an I'm sorry or I did a bad thing. It's I'm sorry, but or I did a bad thing, but let's look at this thing over here. Um Misdirection. That's no exception. <laughs> As they say in Monsters yeah, so, University. Misdirection. That's what's going on there. So um, I mean, I don't I don't know what's uh what's in store next. Maybe they'll start applauding Thanos or Dr. Evil or you know uh Alduin. Um <laughs> I, I don't know what's 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 in store next for our government, but I uh I can't wait to see. So yeah, just get that out of the way. What's amazing to me is how is it that Justin Trudeau is not trending right now? Um but yes, Viva Fry had it today, and I'm gonna I'm gonna blow that up for us here so we can take a look. But what Viva Fry is saying is Justin somehow blamed Nazi Gate on Russian propaganda, Russian disinformation. Um yes, and all and and Oh my goodness. I, I'm not going to put the sound on because it really just should be the end of Curb Your Enthusiasm or the end of, um, yeah, yeah, it's the end of Curb. Yeah, really. Like, it's absolutely. Well, been... mm -hmm. We've had Curb Your Enthusiasm theme for quite a number of years now up here in Canada when it comes to leadership. Uh, Wow. Obligatory, not an endorsement of conservatives ever. Well, uh, again, I'm not an endorsement and not an endorsement of Jordan Peterson either. Uh, but we didn't know. Yeah, I was only following orders. Right. Is that is that a that's, that's the that's the first thing I thought with this whole thing. I'm like, yeah, sorry, guys, but uh, that excuse really didn't work in the whole Nuremberg trial. Right. <laughs> Um, and not for nothing that, but you, you might not want to plant the Nuremberg trials in people's heads. I'm just going to leave it at that. So, so, so Himbo being the resident Canadian, I figured we should address it for a few minutes, but we're going to, we're going to get into a couple of articles that he found. And I think that this one is kind of hilarious and you're going to see why. And he sent this over and I'm like, this is perfect. Oh, all right. So, oh my God. Would anybody, Holy won't anybody God. think of the middle managers? My won't word. Won't anybody think? Won't anybody so think good. of the middle managers? Because they're caught in a lose-lose between layoffs, burnout, and return to office policies. One millennial explains how he's handling the worst year ever. Dude. Oh, my I, God. I love this article Kyle, already. A middle... I love this article Kyle, already. a middle manager at a staffing company, said that a brutal combination of layoffs, fights about remote work, gee, I wonder what the fights are about, um, <laughs> is it people telling you to fuck off because they just changed their whole life around remote work? Oh. Uh, busy work and burnout had made this his toughest year yet leading a team. He's not alone. 
managers like Kyle are burning out. And first off, <laughs> the managers are burning out. Right. Let's uh let's not draw the connection there like right off the bat as to why managers are burning out. Uh they're looking for jobs more aggressively. 55% of managers are watching for or actively seeking new roles. Compared to 49% of individual contributors or non-managers putting managers in survival mode. That is literally yeah. half the workforce. Yes. Okay. Between yeah, thank you. 55% of managers and 49% of contributors. Who's left? Who's left? I guess the worker bees. And that's like an 80%. They're always looking for a new job 100% of the time. Because they'll take a better deal in 30 seconds. Come on. Dude, I, this... I can attest to that. I'm just watching. Mm -hmm. oh, this is already gold. Oh, I love this. I love this article. I'm in love. Okay. So Insider, by the way, complete corporate owned and controlled by uh, a German massive financier. I believe it, it's Axel something or other. And yeah, it's. I know that uh, Max Blumenthal's talked about them before at the Gray Zone about who, who owns and runs them and what their agenda is, which is corporate good all the time. So I'll let you continue. And look at this part. Look at this part right here. It's like they don't even have to get that far into the article before, like, you know, the puzzle pieces start coming together really quick. Kyle said that the staffing industry began seeing high-level layoffs last year, and his company cracked down on remote work. His employer also implemented a hiring freeze, downsizing his team. Hmm. Well, Fuck. that would suck. We've lost a lot more tenured people, so we've had to rely on a lot more inexperienced people, plus myself as a manager having to step in. Listen, I'm sorry if Nothing nothing looks better, by the way, than and I, I say this as someone who has worked in management before. I'll I'll step in and do tickets in a in a heartbeat. There is no better look than your leader charging in a battle with you. I will die on that hill. Yep. Anyway. Right. I'm just trying to broker all of this, keeping that management style of being really employee-centered and retention-centered, which has gotten harder and harder. <laughs> he said these losses. <laughs> This this should trigger me right now because we talked about what happened to me and I'll go into that at the end a little yeah, bit, basically go. where I'm at. He said these losses, including offers he had to revoke, which that's I'm sure that's happened to other people. It happened to me directly right as I was about to, uh, as I've explained here before, right as I was about to take my wife out for a celebration dinner, this company was like, sorry, we forgot somebody in the company wanted it. Um, were devastating to his workload as he needed to take on the work he would have assigned to others, meaning he's had much less time to grow and co uh, coach and grow his team. He called it a nasty attrition cycle. Mm -hmm. It's tough to watch a team that you had built lose people who have been with me since 2017 and 2018, Kyle said, especially when you've worked so hard to keep them in the first place. That's just so depressing. It's like, He's literally, I just see him sitting there in a Zoom call, like, please, man, just, just stick it out. Just stay. Please. I know you're making minimum wage, but please. we need your labor. Okay. Please. It's not my fault that the CEO is exploiting us. He's exploiting me too, which is actually probably true. It's um, terrible. <clears throat> an earlier Gallup survey found that among companies that are making cuts, middle managers are at the greatest risk of getting laid off this year. 
This has put more pressure on managers to do their work while also navigating challenges, additional challenges that emerged during the pandemic. Now, what usually happens as uh, as someone who uh, did manage a team who got laid off, what that means is they are um, they're going to almost certainly outsource the labor, and they they're not gonna they're not gonna like restructure. What they're going to do is they're going to take the existing managers and they're just going to make them work more. They're going to mm-hmm. give them more direct reports. They're going to give them a higher workload. And then what they do is they use those managers who are laid off. And the same goes for workers, really. You know, um, they use those layoffs to scare the living shit out of those people who didn't get laid off. <clears throat> and they'll make it very subtle. It's kind of a, oh, Thank goodness you made the cut, eh? Or, oh, thank God that, you know, you're still with us. We really appreciate you still being with us. That's a, make no mistake, that's a that's a veiled threat of, like, you better be thankful for all this extra work that we're putting on your plate, because if you speak up, you might be next. Yeah. Let me see oh. here. Hey. Managers are needing to flex new muscles. Oh, wait, wait, stop, stop. I, I wanted to stop. I wanted to stop you at one thing that, that caught my eye. And now that I can actually show this mm-hmm. to, to everyone, but he says uh, that they had to revoke offers. Okay. He asked for partial anonymity. I don't blame him, but he said that it offers he's had to revoke. I can't imagine why his team might be looking for the exits when you've got people revoking offers. You think that doesn't get around? <clears throat> And yeah, that weighs on a manager's head, for sure. Um, when you are yep. when you put an offer out and then you then have to revoke it, then you're losing teammates that you've been working with for seventy, for six, seventy years. First of all, that's business. That's a company. And the fact that you have a close knit team for five, six years means that they were all being probably underpaid because you really need to move every two to three years in order to properly maximize your value in the marketplace against. Or corporate just starts taking advantage of you and hiring your replacements or, or you know your coworkers for more money because the market goes up and yep. costs go up just on average every couple of years. So, it, and they're not going to keep raising you to keep up with the market. Unfortunately, some do, but most don't. And that's what we're seeing is all that is going to the top executive level not even the middle managers and they're completely screwed but i did want to mention and and call attention to the fact that this guy even admits that he had to revoke offers not only that like you said they're going to heap more um workers and more people for you to manage but they may also make you a player coach again and may put you back in the field or in the you know back doing the job that you were managing people doing which now means that you're taking on a dual role you have to not only be a manager, but you have to be a coworker to the to the other people there, and that's yep really challenging. Um, and I saw that step, happen to me personally. I and it's was a step backwards. I was I was a people manager. I was also doing learning development, so I was dual wielding those two things. Which, in case you're wondering how I got it done, uh, I almost didn't. And mm-hmm. my wife is very adamant that I that I should not ever go back to where that was because it was 12 hour days. It was stress every day. Uh, yeah, that, that absolutely does happen. And it's, 
And on top of that, I mean, if the Q's got uh, if the Q's got swamped, or you know, my existing team just couldn't handle the workload, you know, they'd be like, "Hey, can you step in and maybe help out here?" And it's like, well, I don't really want to, but I know it's going to happen if I push back. So, yeah, it, uh, it happens. You're you're dead on. So, I'll let you finish there. <clears throat> okay, so let's see here. Okay, so managers are needing to flex new muscles to lead differently in hybrid environments and are also in the emotionally burdensome and exhausting position of being caught between leaders and employees on the topic of return to office. We've covered this ad nauseum. Uh, we all know what this is about. Spoiler alert, it's the interests of capital. Um, <clears throat> and I think the managers, managers themselves. I think being... the I think the middle managers themselves, by the way, also don't want to return to the office. They can't admit it, but they don't really want to return to the office. Although they're also being told by their bosses that the best way to control the people underneath you is to have them in front of you rather than remotely. Yeah, but that's every study shows that that's incorrect, and you just need to change your management style to be able to work with people remotely. But I've been working remotely for 18, 19 years and been pretty damn successful doing it. And there's no reason why most I mean, roles can't, at least in the roles we're in. The funniest thing about this piece of propaganda is like they're acting like key performance indicators aren't like just that they don't exist. Mm -hmm. They're just like, no, you have to you have to helicopter manage your people. Because we have no other way of keeping track of their productivity whatsoever. Like you're not already tracking is, it all through a CRM tool and and ticket systems yeah. and time management. I mean, they're already managing you down to the bone anyway, to the point where they know what you're doing pretty much as it's happening. And they want that real-time update because they need to update their investors. And, and, and they want to be micromanagers to make sure that, that you're not going anywhere. Now, the other thing I think also about this is being working from home gives employees employees more time to look for a job without management necessarily seeing them if they're not using some kind of an eye tracking software and time tracking to make sure that the employee doesn't leave their desk for more than 10 minutes. I know someone that that happens to. They work for an insurance company, and if they leave their desk for more than 10 minutes or their, their laptop, they start accruing time off, like for real. Ew, that's yeah. so gross. It's terrible. I we can't had, even imagine living like that. Sorry. We had something similar insofar as like just as this at this company now, you had to like put yourself into different statuses. And normally that's kind of fine. Um, most time tracking software, you can you can get up and like, you know, um go to the washroom or you know, uh Find somewhere to put the small furry animal that has its claws in your ear, for example. Not <laughs> saying that happened today. Uh, um, no. But, you know, th there's some of them that are programmed to like, they're like response programs. So like, after a while, if there isn't any input on the computer, they'll go into like a, like a, like an idle status. And then. Sure enough, whenever that's happened to me, for one reason or another, you're getting you're getting flooded with DMs by a supervisor human saying like, "Hey, are you okay? What's up? What are you doing? I need you to go back into status." 
So yeah, that's uh, that's awful. The fact that it turns into time off, but some corpulent sociopath thought up that idea and thought, hey, you know what? Like, you know what would be a really great way to save a lot of money? Um, if Bob ever has a heart attack mid shift, right? <laughs> Sorry, that's awfully that's awfully morbid, but I'm just I'm in a morbid kind of mood. Um, <laughs> you know, if someone's ever away from their position for ten minutes. We can just stop paying them, which is unhinged because it's like, first off, no, no, you're paying for their time, okay? If they're stuck doing your job shit for eight hours a day, you shouldn't be, like, nickel and diming that time. But my God, do they nickel and dime them. No, they're putting you in a basically break mode. I wouldn't say they're docking you, but they're putting you, you know, you get a certain amount of break time every day, and that's what they start accruing break time if you're away from the computer for more than 10 minutes because uh, they figured you're... Uh, yeah, God forbid you were on a work phone call away from your computer. <gasps> we're in the bathroom. It's gross. Anyway, um, so Heather Barrett is saying that it's exhausting to, to be caught in the middle which managers are and then i sidetracked us like i do but go ahead i'll let you you read this one this one's your your deal yeah um <clears throat> the conflicts about remote work coupled with new metrics his team needed to met needed to meet have worn him down okay right. new metrics his team needed to meet we all know what that means increased <laughs> <Like>, sales <laughs> more increase your sales we we need you to do more tickets an hour we need you to take more calls an hour we need you to you know collect more succulents an hour wow field reference um wow you know it's uh on top of an increasing workload and it's like it's right there this is like another version of nobody wants to work anymore in an article but it's 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 pointing out in plain day throughout the whole fucking article like mm -hmm. oh no that actually makes a lot of sense all of his problems are actually caused by this this <laughs> this bullshit that's why right. um all this on top of an increasing workload that he had to take on after some tenured staff were laid off for quit wow it sounds like i don't even office. know who, I don't even know who to feel bad for. Yeah, my office, uh, I, I think someone else quit today, by the way. <laughs> like, my <laughs> office is just hemorrhaging people. Um, oh, we can actually talk about that a little bit. I had an exit interview today. Um, oh, oh, we could definitely talk about that. Um, but, he's making yeah. calls in between one-on-one -on -one meetings and putting it, oh my God. This is an hour or two extra every day. To get it yeah. done, this is what I was just like, saying: is that he's now got to do two roles. He's got to he's got to manage people, but he's also got to do their job at the same time and manage a, a load of tickets. And how do you? That's that's hard. You either you either manage or you or you play. A player manager is very very hard to to do, and they have to reduce the number of people that you manage, which they don't. And they reduce the number of tickets or things that you should be able to handle quota-wise, which they don't. So, yeah, him. I got two yeah, small not, kids at not, home. <sighs> yeah, now I'm just like, oh, man, fuck. Well, I, I'm also sitting there like I've been there. I've, I've completely been here watching, like, your whole work-life balance just turn into all work. And you're just like, why am I even alive? Well, like, and <laughs> You think that at one point. 
And here he is saying, watching my own work work life balance evaporate, partly because of return to office. He's got two hours a day of commuting time now that he's got to deal with, plus whatever, getting downtown, parking, traffic, coffee, all the other crap that goes with that. Um, and now you uh -huh. have to leave your two small kids at home every day in the morning. Where's daddy going? Versus daddy's going downstairs in his pajamas right. to do work. It's fucking awesome. Yeah, and it's it's not just that. It's like that 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 shit adds up. And one thing I feel like one thing I feel like that's in like an unspoken kind of communication is one of the plus sides of remote work is that like you've got someone who doesn't have like an hour hour and a half commute each way. So it's like it may feel like it's easier to get them to work overtime or put in more hours because they can justify it in their heads by saying like, oh, well, I it's just an hour. I would have spent this. I would have spent this time in traffic anyway. Right. Um, God damn, this is so depressing. Right. Uh, I feel terrible went for this through restructuring. Of course. Forty-two percent reported budget cuts, forcing well, them to change their workflows and team structures. And we've been talking about this with the massive amount of layoffs that have been happening this year. Yeah, that's what's going to happen. You've got to change your workflows. Uh huh. Meaning you have to take on more work. Yeah, <laughs> wanna... which, <laughs> of course, a salary raise may not be the solution. Fuck you, pay me. No, no don't don't pay not. me more. No, don't ever pay them more. Wow. No. Of course not. That can never be the they're never going there's never gonna be an article that's like, maybe if we just paid people more. <laughs> like it's never gonna be it. I'm surprised they're not like perhaps the key is more pizza party. Um Wow. So, yeah, this this is just this is such a black hole. <laughs> but again, it's you know it, how it was presented at the top. We talked about this Business Insider article a couple of weeks ago and how misleading these corporate articles are. But if you just read through them, they tell you exactly mm -hmm. what the problem is right there. They don't really spell it out for you. You have to kind of read between the lines a little bit, like we're doing. But it's not hard to see that return to office is causing a major stress problem for this cat, and he would do much better working from home more often. So, yeah. here you go. Some of it comes not from just... why? Having to create return to office or hybrid policies that match the desires of work. <laughs> My God. The, pro the problem is, like, they just, they hinge, they hinge everything on the headline. And I see this on LinkedIn because you'll see so many people like resharing articles like this and giving their own take that literally doesn't even make sense if you read through the article. Yep. They're just like, okay, I'm taking this headline and I'm just going to treat this headline in a vacuum. And that's pretty much it. Oh, um, I'm, in, I'm in a vacuum. Hello, I'm stuck in a vacuum. That was Austin Powers. Let's see here. Some of those. <laughs> Some of this burnout comes from having to create hybrid or return to office policies that match the desires of workers, Baird told Insider. Meaning, if you want me to go back to the office, pay me more, or I'm just going to go work for your competitor. That's what that means. Well, that Managers may risk harming. That and that managers really don't know how to 
set this up either. They don't know how, like, they've never dealt with this return to office thing and how to how to manage how many days do you go hybrid? What are the reasons why you go hybrid? What's the protocol? There's, there's a lot of questions, and nobody's ever dealt with this before, really. And they're just making it up as they go along, and nobody wants to admit this. That it's all just being dictated down, and you're going to get to that, I guess. So... And it's 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 understandably difficult to figure out because you're like you're trying to define a job that someone did before perfectly fine in their home as like, here's the stuff you need to be in the office for. Well, it's like, well, you don't really need to be in the office for any of this, do you? Because you did it all from home. So <clears throat> let's see. Managers yeah. may risk harming team morale by instituting a stricter return to office policy, though they may face difficulties managing workers with drastically different preferences. Except, no, they won't. What are the difficulties? Can you explain the difficulties to me? Can you explain how, um, can you explain how, what the differences are in Zendesk uh, when I pull up the stats for someone working at home and someone working in an office setting? Because I, I can guarantee you that there was no point in time throughout my entire CX career that I didn't know exactly how productive everybody on the team was doing. It's quite easy. And it didn't matter if they were working in an office. It didn't matter if they were working in another country. It's all right there. So... Well, I, what they want—they're talking about water—they're they're talking about water cooler shit. They're talking about camaraderie. They're talking about getting to know your coworker. I think, and that doesn't really happen anymore. As often as people are moving around, as often as like the, the way that this job market is, it's it's just so rare that you see these close knit teams that stay together for a long time, and to force it because by location force this kind of relationship building that, oh, they're going to feel bad about leaving their coworkers. You, you're kind of dealing with that now, but you know what? Mm -hmm. the, and now you're like, you know what? Fuck, fuck it. Like this company would cut me tomorrow. It's not about the coworkers because it would, they cut them tomorrow too. They're nice people, but we're all here not to make friends. And go ahead. I mean, yeah. And it's like, And it's like I told uh, the dude I did my exit interview with today. I, I straight up said, like, I don't want to leave, but this this job just doesn't pay enough money. Um, and I feel like that's kind of a useful tactic, too. You get these coworkers who become friends, and all of a sudden the work thing, work becomes like the second family, memes aside. And all of a sudden, the concept of leaving means you don't just leave, like, one workplace for another workplace. Um, you know, you're you're leaving interpersonal relationships. Um, and I feel like, remotely, it's more difficult to foster those interpersonal relationships because you are removed. But there is a distance. And I've made some incredibly close friends from the work-from-home environment, some who... I speak to every day. Um, but I feel like there's a much lower chance of that happening as opposed to like a whole team that you see every day that you kind of have to talk to when build relationships and build rapport with. I feel like it's just a much lower chance of you having that like complete uh, camaraderie. 
And, you know, that makes the prospect, like we talked about, of, you know, looking around and seeing what else is out there. And if the grass is greener, it makes it a lot more daunting. So, for sure. All right. Contemplating calling it quits. Kyle said his flexible management style in past years paid off as he had higher return. What does flexible management style mean? I, I feel like that means having a drinking problem, but you know. Well, that's, that's part of it, but it's also empowering their people and not micromanaging because he lets his people be successful on their own. And he was flexible in how he allowed them to operate. But he's got to be a lot more strict. Like he said, he's had to crack down on company policies. I knew that's where he was going with it. Go ahead. No, that's um, and I was I was forced to do that when we had a client that just like out of nowhere started demanding like way more productivity. I had to I had to go from like, you know, I'm on your guy's side to all right, I have to be on these guys' side and also like poke a red hot fire poker in their butts because I don't want a bunch of these people to get laid off. So I know that. I feel it. Yep. Uh, like return to office. Kyle fears more employees will leave. Well, Kyle, <laughs> they're probably going to. You're probably right. Uh, what's what's more, Kyle worries his employer may mandate four to five days a week in the office. I never, I never want to read that word ever again, and I'll let you guys guess which one I mean. Um, <clears throat> they're not going to be very happy about it. Wow, Kyle, that's fucking profound, dude. Having to walk that line knowing what I know and also trying to be a transparent manager is really difficult. Well, no, because at some point you're going to have to realize that you can't be on these people's sides unless your company's on their side. And chances are they aren't. I feel like he's just trying to hold on by his fingernails. Like, I feel like he's just hanging on by his fingernails. Like, I know this is all over, but I'm just trying to milk it and squeeze out the juice for as long as I can. Yeah. Yeah, no. It's, um... In the back of his mind, Kyle said he knows he can keep being a resource for his team and continue leading his team to success. So he's considered stepping down. To become a high-level individual contributor. I've been there. I have been there where you're like, fuck it, I I don't care. I don't care if it's five bucks an hour more. I don't want to be, I don't want to do this anymore. I'm done. Like, I've been there. I have absolutely been there. Well, it's also that I don't want to manage. I don't want to manage because I know I can produce. I know I can perform. And if you put me at the job full-time that these guys were doing, I would murder them and I would murder this job and I would murder the pay plan. And then they would change the pay plan on me because I'm too successful. But we'll get there. Let me be successful and and do that. And I get why he would want to step backwards. Individual contributors don't have the responsibility of managing people. And all they have to do is just deliver on their accounts and deliver on their sales. And it's a lot of times about their effort, their hustle, their connections, and and their skill. They can. There's always some way to kind of squeeze it out if you are an individual contributor. Whereas, as a manager, you are dependent completely on somebody else doing that and accomplishing that. You're dependent on a bunch of people delivering, and uh, honestly, like it just the stress level goes through the roof. It absolutely goes through the roof because you're not just man it. You're not just worrying about yourself now. You're worrying about a whole group of people. 
And if you're a kind of manager like me who can be a little on the softer side, um, you know, that sucks. It hurts, especially when you one of your teammates, you might think they're great and care about them, but they're not delivering. And you know, at some point, you're going to have to drop the hammer. The level of stress is just, if anybody's considering becoming a manager, I would, I would ask you to speak to a lot of people you know um, who work as a manager and ask them to be very transparent and honest about like what the cons are um, because yeah. your, your stress level, your stress level goes through the roof. And if you don't know how to handle that, then it's like the problem too is once you take that leap, right? Um, it's really hard to go back. Well, really hard. Well, it is. It's except that this guy is ready to do it. If they say five days a week, I'm I'm back. I'm out. Bye. And I don't blame him. Um, if they, despite the efforts, they, they're trying to lighten his load, but there's no way that they're getting back to the 2022 levels or 2021 levels. And in that case, you got to go and get a fresh start and start with a new workload with a real set of expectations again and let them hire someone that will set their expectations properly because the company is off in what they're expecting the employee to do for the money that they're willing to spend. Or they get someone who's willing to yep. do it for that, but it shouldn't necessarily be the person that's experienced that's been there doing it, that they're completely taking advantage of that has a knowledge and skill that will drain when that person leaves that's got inherent value to the company and they are they're totally not paying for that and trying to get away with not paying for it that to me is wage theft as much as anything taking away the experience and knowledge the in-depth knowledge of the history of the company the history of the account the history of the how the product has developed and evolved over the years. And, oh, we used to bill at this, and they might have signed up during this period, which if somebody came in a year from now, they won't know any of that stuff. Those little intricacies and those little experiences make the difference sometimes between saving an account and losing an account, sometimes worth millions of dollars. So, uh -huh. and what does it cost this company to try to step up a little bit more to pay people more and to try to maybe get another person back in. What does it mean? It means eating into the corporate profits. It means eating into the executive bonuses. It means eating into the options and all of the perks and all of the travel perks that all of the executives are entitled to. Those guys are not uh -huh. taking a haircut. They're just not. They're still flying first class. They're still eating out at the best restaurants there there are on budgets that nobody is questioning because they're the ones that sign off on them. And in the end, that's just expense. That that's literally they're draining the corporate profits which they would then need to share with shareholders and employees in order to live the fat life. It's and they see that as and an entitlement, hard. an entitlement. Go yeah, ahead. because they feel like they 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 clawed, they feel like they clawed their way up from being a from being a prole. <laughs> they feel 
they feel like, oh shit, I clawed my way out from this exploitation. I am not, I'm not going back down there. And that creates this, like, I've always felt like it creates this anxiety within where it's like, I remember when I was poor and I never want to get back there. Right. Um, and not for nothing, but some of those bonuses are fucking bonkers. Like, they're just, they're insane. Yes, they I've are. Talked to, I've talked to some of the higher-ups, and I'm like, really? You make that much a bonus a year? That's unhinged. Yep. And once you realize all of that is is because they can, they can, you know, basically pay their workers, the people who actually are why they have money to spend in the first place, because they're not the ones doing the tickets or making the sales. All of that it just comes at being able to like have those conversations with workers and saying, sorry, look, man, I know you guys are struggling to make rent. I know you guys are on food stamps, uh, but you know what? Like we just, the company can't, it's not in the company budget for us to increase your compensation. And I've seen some of the most ludicrous <clears throat> I've seen some companies have some of the most ludicrous, like, foot-dragging, heel-dragging, rather, like, on Earth. I found out through this whole, like, are we going to have a bidding war thing that, like, the promotion that they had in store for me wouldn't even have been as much as this offer would have been. And I'm sitting here and I'm like, you guys are really, like, this is how down bad we are. It's like... Don't pay a dollar more. Don't pay a dollar an hour more. You can't do it. And then the eventual result and effect is articles like this, where we're seeing the ripple effects of just how much of a dumpster fire work in general in 2023 is. Won't anybody think of the middle managers? I mean, they're they're making comfortable livings and and they're driving nice semi-luxury vehicles and They've got kids potentially in private schools. And, yeah, no, I'm not really crying for them, but I understand where they're coming from. They are literally the reason why they're middle managers is because they're caught in the middle between the owners and the workers. And they're basically yeah. management directed to tell the workers that things are about to suck because they overhired in 2021 and 2022 they cut production and they used every excuse to squeeze everybody and raise prices and we've got inflation going through the roof wages are not keeping up with it cost of living is going substantially higher and people have less disposable income or no disposable income when they were already pretty much flat broke so, yeah. <clears throat> man, I mean, they're basically there to make, they're basically there to make the worker okay with their own exploitation. Well, and they're there, and they're, they're there, there to make sure they're there to roll up report to to, to ownership on exactly what the worker bees are doing because the ownership can't check in on every single employee. That's what the functionality and the reason why they're there in the first place, and why they're pre they're paid relatively well. They are kindergarten teachers in a lot of ways. I, I, I like to call Pretty that, much. you know, um, which is one of the reasons why I've, 
enjoyed being an individual contributor and haven't really put made that push to go into management is because I kind of feel in a way like it is babysitting. Well, it's coaching in a lot of ways. It's also babysitting. And that's because maybe I see it yeah. how, you know, from, from the divas like I have, like I am personally, I know that I would be a difficult person to have to manage, for example. <laughs> I wanted to get to this other article uh, that you brought about Seattle and what's going on in this short in, the, in this little town and i found this fascinating and the visuals are gorgeous oh my god this is beautiful the yeah. columbia river from white salmon in click 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 attack county wow i mean that's that's stunning imagery right there i have to say um mm -hmm. so uh the article headline though is even better white salmon a gorge vacation hotspot can't staff its restaurants. Wait, what? Why? Well, combined shortages of like... labor and affordable housing have plagued vacation hotspots across the PNW. <sighs> yeah. This actually, um, I saw this a couple summers ago up in um, pretty much our premium like bougie vacation spot up here in canada a place called muskoka mm -hmm. um it it's got like some of the cottages they're unhinged i saw this one cottage that had a helicopter pad for example um my mom's cousin took me on a boat tour and this other cottage has a fucking watchtower why do you need a watchtower to go fishing sir <laughs> like and they they were they're experiencing the same things because everybody was talking about how like it's it's impossible to find any kind of real estate there's nowhere to live and sure enough every single one of these bougie like restaurants had a help wanted sign and there was i remember we tried to go to dinner this one this one day and the restaurant was closed because they literally had nobody to work um they just couldn't find any staff because they were in this kind of this conundrum where it's like okay well there's tons of rich people here but we've got nobody who's willing to work for you know a server wage or a line cook wage uh because the only people who can afford to live in this whole area have to be rich right so or their kid you know you, you you got their kids maybe but you're not getting quality work, full-time work, et cetera, et cetera, from the kids of the rich people that live in the nice houses, probably in these hills right here in these trees. And this is, I'm guessing, the entire town. You've also probably got some nice houses along the water, maybe with some boat slips, for example, maybe going back a little over there. So what's going on in White Salmon? And we, we will go into reader mode, even though I love these pictures. I mean, just wow. We'll, we'll look at some pictures afterwards. but. Um, why this vacation spot can't staff its restaurants anymore, right? The Columbia Gorge vacation hotspot of White Salmon draws tens of thousands of visitors and weekend warriors annually on a bluff overlooking the Columbia River, 30 miles of, south of Mount Adams. It's right on the Oregon border, town of about 2,600, which is about the size of the town I grew up in, not this wealthy, is the gateway to a hotbed for kayaking, windsurfing, whitewater rafting, mountain biking, skiing, as well as Versioning wine scene. No surprise when you've got the bougies. Good luck scoring a dinner reservation mm -hmm. in during tourist season, though. 
Why? Because in White Salmon's bustling downtown, a bounty of help wanted signs hang in restaurant windows as many servers, cooks, and other blue collar workers have been priced out of town. So, as developers court vacationers with short term units, affordable rentals, and housing in general has become scarce. What a surprise. So, shortage of labor, right? Shortage of labor and affordable housing has hit cities and businesses across the Pacific Northwest, but Situation seems especially strained in vacation destinations like White Salmon, where there are plenty of tourists, but not enough servers and cooks to feed them. And why? Some have, some restaurants have now shifted from full service to counter service, requesting customers bus their own tables. Wow. Okay. Are the restaurant owners here? They're turning their... They're turning their high-end restaurants into cafeterias. Other restaurants are housing their own servers and cooks who otherwise oh, can't afford to rent in White Salmon. It's been literally like, I sold my soul to the company store. Like, now I got to live on premises uh-huh. or have my, the owner of the restaurant subsidize my housing because the rest of the area is too expensive and he can't get workers. So it's a cost of doing business, I guess. So you can write it off, but alarmed by the housing shortage. We're flirting. We're just flirting with feudalism. (laughs) We are flirting with it last. Serfdom. I mean, literally, you're you're talking about serfdom. Yeah. And then it's, and then it's, well, I'm giving you housing, so I'm not going to pay you a living wage because I'm covering your housing costs. So now I'm only going to pay you enough for your food and your, and your incidentals, your gas, and your and wherever, but you work at the restaurant and you live here. So what do you need gas for? You know, this is what it's going to turn into, and this is where it's going. Um, wow, alarmed by the house. What's that phrase sh- again? Something about something about owning owning nothing. nothing. That's right. Right, and and being being oh. happy. Right, being happy. It's all going in a. It's all going in one direction, huh? The town set aside real estate oh to build more low-income and affordable apartments and houses, townhouses, <laughs> and the city council even stopped the developer from turning a mobile home park into another pricey subdivision. So they're further trying to gentrify the area and squeeze out the workers. Restaurant owners have warned that the lack yeah. of affordable housing will wreck small, many small businesses and in the long run upend the town's tourism industry. Yeah. Yeah. See, look, most people are making $24 to $45 an hour after tips, and that is not enough to live here. $45 an hour. Wow. No, it isn't. The sad thing is, like, that's not... There's a lot of places that isn't enough to live, and people are being gaslit and thinking, like, oh, come on, you make this much. You should be able to, you know, just, you know, shop, uh, buy a lot of canned tuna. Well, on a 40-hour week, that's not even mm-hmm. what? That's right? 24 is uh, like 50K? Right? It's it, Yeah. 24 is 50? Yeah. So 15 is 30, 30K. 30 is 60K. 45 is 90,000 a year, which is a decent living. Sure. But still, if you're in a luxury resort area... 90000 a year isn't going to get you rent anywhere close to that resort area. 
Can you imagine like in Hawaii? Yeah. So isn't that sad? Yes, it is. It's sad that, but then again, you can't pay $50 for a hamburger and a beer when you go into these, these bars and, and they're stuck because they're like, we can only charge so much for the food and then we've got to pay our help X amount. It, mm-hmm. It's becoming impossible to operate a profitable restaurant. So yeah, White Salmon is a gorge vacation hotspot on the Columbia. It's been afflicted by labor and affordable housing shortages in recent years. Um, yep. In downtown White Salmon, there are dozens of bars and eateries, including tasting rooms, a mezcal bar, the White Salmon Baking Company, which draws lines a block long at 8 a.m. Sure. All right. Businesses in downtown could cobble together a staff drawing workers with big tips from vacationers. And the surrounding mountains and water, but those lures don't reel in much kitchen help when there's nowhere for workers to sleep. Dude, the the saying cobble together a staff is just like it's so absurd. Well, it's holy fuck. It's it's literally stealing labor. It's stealing labor and and time and it's wage theft. Um and they have to steal wages because yeah. it's the only way that they can like survive business wise unfortunately you know um so yeah. on a drive around town last month this guy ubaldo pointed out an apartment across from city hall a handful of families living there moved out cuz they couldn't afford the rent increase some of the apartment homes have been converted to short term rentals like he like they said for tourists and that's also a problem so you don't have the rentals. And then a couple blocks farther lies a, a vacant two-acre lot, once the site of the Washington Street trailer park. Here he said 20 working-class Mexican families were evicted in 2020 to make way for a planned housing development, which three years later still isn't there. Isn't that nice? And then he drove to another former mobile home park that has already been converted to a row of cottages. So any affordable housing and mobile homes aren't exactly ideal, but they are certainly affordable. Although Chris was putting up a thing about a mobile home in Denver and it was like six, 300 K plus the fees and everything else. And you were six, 700 K for a mobile home. Wow. So yeah, not just an issue for the Mexican or the immigrant community, but also an issue for the working class who can't afford to live here. Yeah. Like we said, they're driving, they're working, they're moving further out to be able to find a place where they can even afford to, to put a bed and then drive 40 to 80 miles a day, which costs more money to work, come to work because gas gas prices in the Seattle area and the, the Oregon area aren't exactly cheap either. And then you fall into that trap where it's like, well, all my all my tips are going to gas. So and not great. And this this to me remind is a reminder of the Amazon warehouse problem where you've got Amazon workers that commute two to three hours every day on top of their eight hour shift. And between that eating, showering catching up on a phone call or a TV show once in a while, that's life. Six days a week. And the seventh day, you do laundry and you run errands, if you're lucky. 
I mean, it's living to work. It costs more money to come to work in White Salmon, so some find other jobs. Of course they do. They have to. And here you've got the hair studio lady who used to bartend in addition to two other jobs. But her, her she's saying apartments with year-long laces are so hard to come by in White Salmon that she slept at a nearby state park for five days. Jesus fucking Christ. <sighs> Yeah, the studios and one-bedroom apartment she found in town would have required close to 40 to 50% of my income just to rent, and that would have included utilities on top of the fact that you have to come up with first, last, security deposit, so that's two and a half times rent yep. or three times rent to start, plus move-in costs, and then you have the, not just move-in costs, but the cost of having to live in a new place and get new stuff that you weren't necessarily equipped with for that place or that you lost in the move. This is so, this is so unhinged. I mean, last year she bought a 16, a used 16 foot travel trailer to sleep in. So she doesn't have to budget for a rent hike every time. So literally, and I've seen this new movement of RV living where people are buying RVs to live out of. Because in van life, they housing is just getting so ridiculous. And then there's an entire different, entirely different set of challenges with van life. Number one, you don't have a permanent yep. residence address, and a lot of places don't accept a, a post office box. It's yep. There are so many. Oh, nothing. Be happy, you and then you'll, you'll end up in homelessness. I mean. Yeah. Yeah. And that's <clears throat> So here you've that's got That's where we're headed. You've got Henny's, which is the the bar that actually houses staffers. Um the sous chef lived in their spare bedroom rent-free for nearly 4 years. Another cook crashed on their couch one summer. Two former workers slept in their cars at one point cuz they couldn't take everybody in. Oh man. Like at least it's warm out at that time of year. What do you think goes on in the winter time? Yeah. Well, the reality is, and as someone who's Canadian, I can tell you this for a fact, what goes on the in the winter is a lot of people die. Yeah. They and that's freeze. just that's a that's a hard that's a harsh reality that people need to accept. Mm. Okay. That's what that's what happens. Turns out human human beings kind of can't thrive in sub-zero temperatures indefinitely. Hey, how about um, that? They're not polar bears. Um, no, they're not. <laughs> well, some Canadians are, but not all of them. Um, there's some Nazis I'm, I'm up there. I'm pretty good, but you know. Christopher <laughs> Friedland would be proud of the Nazis that are up there too, but that's another story for another article. But I'm sure some of her buddies own, own places up there, potentially. Um some restaurant owners in the, in, and others in the community see short-term rentals as the culprit ailing this once quiet town. What are short-term rentals? Airbnb. They're not saying it, but Airbnb is what they're talking about here. Rentals that once went to seasonal workers and the working class are now reserved for Airbnb and other short-term rental services. Verbo and all these luxury yeah. housing placement things because landlords can make more in a week renting to tourists than they would in a month renting to long-term locals. Mm -hmm. That's exactly it. 
and they've they've just basically for a lot of people it's just like hey i can pay off my mortgage in two years and rent to these bougie fucks who just want somewhere to trash for a weekend or i can rent to like mom and pop and pay off my mortgage in 20 30 years years. yeah exactly right so well nowadays it's more like a hundred right be real so here here's sean and vanessa said at least they own a deli feast market and deli said at least 10 employees in recent years have slept in their cars because they couldn't find affordable homes because they lost leases when units were converted to short-term rentals the couple allowed another employee to sleep in their camper trailer so it's not like the owners even have the ability to put these people up anywhere because they're struggling themselves to a make rent on their place to keep their lights on to survive themselves as small business owners so yeah it's that's the problem it's not like it's such a snowball effect at this point where like material conditions are so trash that it's like it's literally become like kill or be killed. It's it's just it it's be, it's become like absurdity. And it's hilarious how like we keep advancing technologically. And See, but just the, can't figure out that pyramid of needs. Now this is pretty interesting because what they're saying here is that searching for a permanent solution, the feast owners bought a modest mixed use property downtown last fall. They installed an ice cream counter by the front entrance, and that. That's how the thing, you know, is mixed use and would be commercially viable as a retail front. But their main motivation for buying the property was that it came with a 650 square foot, which is tiny, one bedroom unit in the back, which they could lease to a server in need of a home. That is like a broom closet, a bedroom, a bathroom, and a tiny little living room, maybe a, a kitchenette. All right, maybe it's and it's a one bedroom, so it does have some kind of a kitchen. The couple plans to build a second unit to house another employee at below market rent, which is admirable. And he said, if you can't provide housing for your staff, you might not have a staff. And those words would prove prophetic because short one server on a recent weeknight, Feast shuttered part of its dining room so a single server could keep up with orders. The next day at lunch, one of the owners shuffled between workstations, mixing an old-fashioned and a French 75 cocktail behind the bar before hustling to the cash register to take a sandwich and cheese order for hikers looking to picnic at a nearby Spirit Falls Trail. I mean, yeah, on on payroll. I mean, you've got the owners juggling roles because they can't get people to do the to serve the food, they've got food that they bought that's going to be rotting and going bad if they don't sell it. On its payroll, Feast has half the 20 bartenders, cooks, and servers that the deli and restaurant needs to operate at full capacity. They can only get half the people. If two people call in sick, then we have to shut down the restaurant. It's crazy. <gasps> wow, the power of employees. Imagine if they all decided to strike. Collectively, they could shut down the town and say, pay us more and make make housing affordable and available to the employees. Well, general strike 2024. Hmm? 
the concerns about that are valid because I mean, if it gets too bad, that's when the capitalists start nudging the governments, and that's when you start seeing the jackboots come out. And before you know it, an old lady's getting trampled by a horse. <laughs> Unfortunately, sad, sad but true. Um, or old men are getting pushed back over by by robocops and and by steroided up thumbs which we saw in buffalo a couple of years ago um but hey i mean at the end of the day i just thought of something what if that's also why they don't this is a little out there but what if that's also why they don't want people working remotely because imagine a general strike when everybody works from home they can't it's kind of hard to do fashy shit at that point because it's like there's not a giant group of people collected in one area. I mean, well, no, they can breach your bank accounts and shit. They got us. Um, but yeah, I mean, a work from home general strike would be pretty nuts, though, in general, because if you planned it smart enough, I mean, what could they what could they do? You just flip your laptops and Slack goes dark and they're like, what the fuck just happened? They would not know what to do with themselves. It would take at least two days for them to figure it out. Oh my god. Oh my god. Like if and just, that and nobody showed up in town to work. Yeah. Dude. And that's 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 a shitload of business owners who are panicking because every day that goes on, they're getting screwed. Mm -hmm. Um and I feel bad they're for these, again, kind of like middle managers, they're stuck in the middle between the wealthy people who are controlling all of this that won't allow for everyone to be able to make a living wage. And look, if people are making 25 or $30 an hour and you want to charge six bucks for a burger or $9 or $10 for a burger and they can actually afford to pay for it, well, that's a good thing. And everybody wins. Mm -hmm. um, we don't want to see inflation. We want to see people paid wages. We also want to see them paid wages, not just where it's affordable. And look, minimum wage was supposed to be a living wage. And I see this argument online all the time. People saying minimum wage was for high school kids, you know, that work at, at fast food restaurants. And no, if you go back to the FDR speech, Absolutely he literally not. called it a minimum living wage that people can afford to live. Yeah, it was it was it was the minimum amount of money that you needed to like, you know, start a family and and thrive. It wasn't the I mean, fuck, what does minimum even mean? Minimums become like this is the least amount of money you can pay someone. Like the minimum part got hijacked sort of because it went from like, you know, minimum amount of money to survive or thrive to yeah this is like the lowest we can pay you um we'd pay you lower if we could but the pesky socialists and government or whatever but <laughs> yeah it, it it definitely changed they completely redefined what minimum wage even 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 was intended for yep um, that's that's a gaslight because there's no applicable there's no applicable use of minimum anymore, aside from this is the lowest amount of money I can give to you um, without getting in serious trouble. 
Well, except in the um, United States, they haven't raised the minimum wage. You think costs have gone up since 2009? Because the minimum wage has not and has stayed at seven twenty-five per hour federally since 2009. Now, states and cities have taken the initiative to raise their own minimum wages on their own, sometimes 15, 16. I know Seattle was the first one to, to raise theirs to 15, and it made a huge outcry. And as it turns out, they did much better in the end because they paid the people and they had more disposable income in their pockets. Go figure. But here, in getting back to this article, in the Hood River, just across the, the Columbia from White Salmon, the owners of the critically acclaimed Celilo Restaurant and Bar bought a three-story house to rent out to some of their cooks, servers, and other sports staff, charging employee tenants about 400 each per month. Otherwise, they might not have enough front and back house uh, help to stay open either. So they're subsidizing it and charging low-wage low rent, I'm sure the places are not luxuriously outfitted. Campbell's Resort on Lake Chelan reported it was short some 100 workers, nearly a third of the usual 330 it typically staffs at the start of the summer. That's a big resort. I mean, you're you're down a third of the workers. The resort converted two houses into shared My living God. spaces for seasonal workers. And so now what they're doing is they're giving up houses from resort space in order to be able to house the workers on site because the workers can't find local housing that's affordable. On this Orcus is like, wow. I'm sorry, this is just so ridiculous. Wow. This is such a, like a clown existence. And, and this like, is I know all everybody's to like, this is kind feed, of This is all to feed the uber wealthy, by the way. The problem is, is there aren't yeah, enough people just... to feed and serve the uber wealthy now because you, they won't even pay the serfs enough. And there's not affordable yeah, housing. Gotten, Holy it's shit. Got, it's gotten that bad where everybody's freaking out in so far as like, well, how are we going to serve the bourgeoisie their their oysters? How can like who's gonna give Margaret her Tom Collins? This is like, literally the owner class. It's not even the bougie, it it's the owner class. Who's going to serve the owner class and the country clubs? They come for the fancy dining and the yachting and the kayaking because we know that very few poor people kayak. Um, they usually don't even have the time to do so, let alone can afford the equipment or the trailer and everything else that it requires. But these issues have alarmed the white salmon community enough that the mayor and city council at one point called for a temporary emergency moratorium on construction projects as well as permits for short-term rentals address the affordable housing shortage but that hasn't helped since then the, the town set her aside land to build more affordable housing you know you could have just reinstated the, the mobile home parks you know but long-lasting solutions take time yes because you leveled the affordable housing that you had and the scenic town is running out of room to grow there you go rolling at a mile and a half square the town has 117 and a half acres of developable land, developable, developable land. Okay, let's say that three times fast. Developable land, developable land. Oh boy. Per Clickitat County's buildable lands inventory methodology report. Because everybody, that's that is a hotbed of reading activity. Let me tell you, you you need you need something to fall asleep to. That's that's it. 
Um, this is such unbelievable clown shit. <laughs> I'm sorry, it's so this is so fucking goofy. I have no words for how goofy this this whole situation is. This wait, <clears throat> but they don't even really in a have society hundreds... that made sense. This would never this would never be a thing in a society that makes sense. Bro, but we live under a clown system. Have you ever played the game SimCity? Like, this is where the, they've had the industry and the commercial, like, you've got no housing and you've got too much commercial. Yep. And it's like your balance is completely off and you're going to have to fix it or your town's going to fucking fall apart, man. That's what's going on here. Yeah. It's literally SimCity. Like, we learned about city planning thanks to um, Access Games uh, in the 90s. But... Here, some developers even suspect yeah. there's less than 117 and a half acres since some lots sit on steep, rocky terrain where it would be too costly to run sewer and water lines for housing. They'd first have to do blasting in order to be able to even run lines. And we know that they don't want to do that. So, like many ski towns and once remote locales that have become vacation destinations, they limit the number of homes that can be used for Airbnbs or similar rentals. Declaring last year that no more than 10% of the homes in any neighborhood can be used as short-term rentals. Maybe they'll have to claw that back some more. White Salmon has 41 homes designated as short-term rentals, town records show. And you know that there's even more than that because you've got the illegal ones. But according to Air DNA, which is... Fuck. You want to talk about a grift? A research firm that tracks vacation rentals. Bro, that's that's a firm in hell. That is a firm on one of the nine layers of hell. You know what they do? They probably set up some kind of an API and they paid each one of these fucking companies, Verbo and Airbnb and all these things, a licensing fee to be able to access their data or and let them participate and say, we're going to, you know, share this study out. Who's funding this? Who's funding this? This is some kind of travel industry that's that's funding this because air dna how do they make profit all right so the average cost to rent a vacation home costs 268 dollars a night in july nice multiply that by 31 shall we do the math folks for the people who aren't that who aren't that quick um it's almost nine thousand dollars for the month it's almost nine thousand yeah, exactly. dollars for so, the month of July. Three hundred times thirty is nine thousand dollars for the month. So a little bit less. Exactly. So it makes no sense for them to be like, "Why would I charge three grand in rent? Why would I charge thirty five hundred in rent?" Nine nine thousand nine thousand dollars a month. Multiply that by twelve months, and that's after-tax income you need to have to be able to live in a short-term rental in this town. Now, not every house costs $9,000 a month, obviously. I'm sure you can find places for $5,000 a month. But that's still only one part of your income. Okay. Yep. The low housing stock has resulted in bidding wars, of course. So Zillow estimates that in the, that the average home value in White Salmon has skyrocketed at 62% the past five years, thanks to the pandemic and BlackRock and, and Vanguard. And $715,000 is the average home in White Salmon, which means that you've got a ton of multi-million-dollar homes and up 
to be able to balance out the shore, the smaller half million dollar cottages that they that they've got. While the figure may be inexact, which it sure is, as outliers can skew the average, the housing price in White Salmon mirrors exploding prices throughout the touristy gorge region. No surprise. Middle class buyers are having a hard time scoring a house too, with bidding investors looking to cash in on lucrative short-term rentals and higher paid aerospace engineers and tech workers for the drone company in situ based in nearby Bingen, 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 settling in the area. So you've got people with, you know, mid six figure incomes from aerospace engineers and you've got a housing, you know, a, a bidding war from short-term Airbnbers that are going to make nine thousand dollars a month while during the during the hot season. Now they're not going to make nine grand a month all year, and they're banking on the fact that they're going to be able to make five grand a week potentially um, to rent that place out in the summertime. So the drone company, the median sale price does everything. The median sale price is six hundred ninety thousand. The mayor said her family couldn't afford to live in White Salmon had she and her husband not bought in twenty nineteen. I don't see how anyone as a first time home buyer can afford an almost seven hundred thousand dollar townhome, plus HOA fees, plus property taxes, plus living expenses. Calling affordable plus housing. Impression. Right, calling affordable housing the town's number one priority. You know, they better have at least two psychiatrists or psychotherapists in town for all the people that are dealing with depression here. But calling affordable housing the town's number one priority. The mayor and council set aside one property to use for a future subdivision that will include at least 10 affordable townhouses. That's like putting a Band-Aid on a gunshot wound. The council reserved another parcel to build an apartment complex. Now we're talking for low-income families and a dilapidated 36-unit complex that's designated for low-income residents will get a facelift this winter. So they've already got projects. <laughs> Unbelievable. Ain't no vista and ain't no view. In its most aggressive move, the council changed the zoning code to stop a developer from turning the Washington Street Mobile Home Park into a big money subdivision, which it should be doing. But of course, what happens is, is these developers buy off the town council and get their friends and cronies and contractors that are friendly to them on the council. So they'll vote to get rid of that mobile home park soon enough. In 2020, about 20 families... Go ahead. And then and then they'll all complain that nobody wants to work anymore. Exactly. And then they're uh, gonna every uh, single article is just another flavor of like these people are gonna directly contribute to the problem and shit. then complain that nobody's around to serve them their 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 locks their locks and cream cheese on a on a Sunday. What a schmear. That's right. All right. So, like they said earlier, in oh 2020, God. about 20 families from the trailer park pleaded with the council for help after receiving eviction notices from the property owner, Brookside Development, which wanted to build houses on the valuable land. The council couldn't stop those mobile homeowners from being evicted, but changed the building code to prevent the developer from starting construction unless the project included low-income housing. You're going to take it away, you better replace it. 
Brookside Development could not be reached for comment on what it plans to do with that lot. According to minutes from a public hearing in March 2020, they had said in a statement that even though we are the property one of the property owners most affected by the proposed repeal, we support the goals of the city fully. How? By taking away all the low-income housing? So here's that community activist who organized the protest. He applauded the White Salmon Council for setting aside land. That's great. They need us. Who else is going to clean up those rentals or work in those restaurants if we're not here? That's what the robots are for. <laughs> I know you, you were taking a hit, but I know that's where you were going with that. Yeah, no, exactly. Um, <clears throat> that'd be great. Like, that'd be another good kind of general strike. In addition to a general strike, you get a bunch of hackers to like reprogram the robots to just give Karen the middle finger. Right. Um, Oof, but yeah, man. I mean, we live in hell, folks. If you, I in mean, case you didn't know, literally. Literally, Nobody wants I, to live like, anymore. Nobody just, wants to, to to have housing anymore. I mean, it's it's just like you can't both of those articles, but the second one is like far more clownish because it's got like so many different parts. You've got like you've got like twenty slaps in the face of the working class, like consecutive, like sequentially. Um, it's become such a circus, like. Imagine, imagine if we ever do make first contact with like an alien species. They're not going to want to talk to imagine us. Imagine explaining. Imagine explaining this shit to them. We we live in They're hell. Like wait, we're fucked. Is, yeah, yeah. Thank you, Misty. This this whole problem is just completely solvable, very easily, guys. It's like yeah, but we don't we don't want to we don't want to solve the problem because. Then we're not going to be like super rich. We're only going to be rich. Like, it's just, oh my God. Another mansion, another car, another jet ski, like toy. Well, and another it's, brilliant, trip. it's brilliant. It's brilliant brainwashing here in the West because people attach their self worth to those things that mean nothing. But they attach their self-worth, and they've been propagandized into attaching that self-worth to things like... And it just goes up and up, and I know this because I, you know, my uh, my dad was well-off, and but he also worked in business, and he knew a lot of very well-off people. We went to, like, huge, crazy cottages and all this shit. Um, you know, it it just goes up. Because these people measure, because these people have been brainwashed into measuring their self worth based on like how much material possessions they have, it gets to a point where it's like, oh, did you hear about Bob? Bob only has a second home. Can you believe that? Only oh, Jerry, Jerry only has a second cottage. Like it gets to the point where it's just this goofy, dumb fuck game where like these people. These people have such holes in themselves that the only way to fill it is the endless gratification of being admired for these shitty, stupid toys that they don't need. Like, and it's and part of it is one-upsmanship. It's it, with their neighbors. It's really all. It's not even keeping up with the Joneses. Yep. It's I've got to have the best, and I I come from somebody who was and is adamant about the best and. 
we've got it's got to always be the best of everything and it's like yeah sometimes you don't always have to have the best of everything like it's just good enough is good enough sometimes um anyway honestly it's it's just it's that <clears throat> it's that whole mindset and i'll argue all day and all night that it comes comes from that original like that that protestant like like work ethic well, I would Which say it's the World can, War II, can, World War II boomer generation. We, they, they hustled all the time and they, they worked nonstop and, but they still made good livings for the most part. So you sent me these and I wanted to include these before we, we headed out of here, oh but no. holy shit, this, this is, is the most, worse, this is even worse. <laughs> Okay, I know, I know. We're talking about a lot of depressing stories here, but this one, I was like, "Oh man!" I, the more, the more I read this, and it says this is the most depressing brag from a female Facebook friend, and just wanting to love on my hubby Mark today. He worked his regular, full regular shift yesterday and started doing Task Rabbit again, so he also did an additional four-hour job right after that. He does lawn work, furniture assembly, general assembly, and moving, by the way. So hire him, winky, winky. But he now works three jobs, and this man never takes any additional time off other than our Sundays off. I think we were talking about this earlier. He does what he needs to be to be a good provider on the outside while I take care of the kids and homeschooling on the and the household stuff. So she's basically losing her mind dealing with children all day because they're kids and they make you crazy. While he's out working his fucking ass off, they get no time together as a couple, I can tell you. They're barely parenting together. He doesn't take credit or brag about himself doing all that. Just wanted to give him a shout yeah, because we love and appreciate miserable. you. And you are seeing, oh, he is fucking hating life. And he's like, why am I doing this? Honestly, and it's the, I don't want to use the word, but like, this is why guys do that. And they, they, re they start thinking that, I'm literally just living to feed and help and, and house these other people. And it's never about me. I never get to enjoy shit on a, but on a Sunday and we've seen the rates increase the last couple of years, especially in young parents and fathers as they realize that they can't provide. Oh, that weight is so enormous and, and a lot, and it turns to it turns to substance abuse and addiction. I've seen guys get addicted to to heroin and all kinds of junk out of depression because they can't they feel inadequate for being for not being able to provide everything that they and just basics food, clothing, housing, rent. I mean, that's meanwhile. Meanwhile, mom here has kids with like no help it's like they're both probably just miserable oh at their <laughs> limits and there's no money coming in because he's got kids he's already working three jobs yeah. just to be able to make ends meet there's there's no money coming in so that that one's rough and oh, then there oh my god i just realized she does homeschooling too yeah she's a teacher Jesus she's homeschooling Christ. the kids and and cleaning the house doing the laundry cooking the meals Dealing with the mommy, 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 I'm, uh, I need snacks. I need this every five minutes. Oh, my God. <sighs> I hope this wasn't from that your new is, job. 
No. <laughs> Absolutely not. Um, I think they actually... I think the benefits cover daycare, actually. I'll have to check that. This is illegal, by the way. All payroll, yep. infidential is, all payroll information is confidential. Anyone caught discussing their pay with another employee can be grounds for termination. We'll fire you for talking about how much you pay. That is definitely an indicator that you're getting paid market value. Wow. This is a competitive salary. That's... You better not tell anybody. That's probably. Or you're going to lose it. Yeah, that's. That's probably why they have that in there. I guarantee you, if I look this bullshit up, there'd probably be a post somewhere on LinkedIn where it's like, we pay competitive salary, but nobody has to talk about it ever. But wait, here, vacations must be requested a minimum of three weeks in advance and approved by both the store manager, the supervisor, and Cheryl. Okay. Vacations cannot be granted over national holidays, Christmas, or Thanksgiving, only one person per store may be on va- may be on vacation at any one time. Like, you're worried for Nazis, guys. Um, I hate to tell you these these are like the guys that showed up in Parliament. You've you, you've got literal Nazis here. <clears throat> um, this one, and then and then you've got a whole section on garnishments, right where I want to work. I'm going to sign off on the uh-huh. policy that tells me why you can keep the wages that I've already earned because of some bullshit rule that you've decided to make up arbitrarily. Dude, quit. Quit. Guys, Do not tolerate guys, this shit. No. The only the only way this shit gets better and we get more entertaining articles on how middle managers are at the limit <laughs> are crying. by pushing back on are pushing back on this bullshit okay don't don't accept this because the second you give them your consent for this garbage it is a clear indication that it's okay to do so and nothing is ever ever going to get better yeah oh man okay i'm i'm done with dystopian hell for tonight um we're at we're at a good 90 yeah Uh, we covered these two articles yeah i think uh (laughs) Man, uh, I'm glad I'm I don't live in white sand. What the fuck? Yeah, seriously. Let, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go. Uh, I'm gonna go curl up in a ball in the shower and cry now because you can't live. Um, you can't survive, and your middle and and please, please sp- pour one out and shed a tear for the middle manager in your life, please. Yeah. M- may totally. I make a plea for the middle manager out there? So. And actually pour one out for the poor white salmon people because Jesus. Oh my goodness. Well, at least for the workers in white salmon that are trying to work at a restaurant, but for the people that can afford to live in white salmon, well, uh, I'm very happy that you've succeeded, but you've got a serious problem in your town that you're going to have to address. And it seems like your mayor is trying to figure it out. The answer is you got to build more affordable housing and you got to let the poors live with you because otherwise there's going to be no one to clean up the stuff and there's going to be nobody to serve the food and there's going to be nobody left. And then it's breakfast. Jump up. You jump up and make it yourself. <laughs> that was a terrible thank, movie. Thank goodness. The bougies. Thank goodness. Those bougies don't know how to cook. We'd be done. Holy shit. 
All right. We're out for tonight, folks. Uh, again, like I say every week, keep questioning everyone's motivations. And I'll let this guy say goodnight, and we'll get out of here. I'm Snow Himbo. Um, we'll try to make next episode a little more upbeat. Uh, I, pro- <laughs> I just rolled in with a bunch <laughs> of black pills, but uh, I think... Um, I think I I saw this and I'm like we needed we need to cover this. This is this is this is clown galaxy we're living in. So thank you guys always for tuning in. Um and yeah, nobody wants to work anymore, I guess. Do that do that like thing. Make sure you hit the thumbs up. I didn't tell anyone to do that. Um share the stream out if you liked what you saw and I know that this was a little depressing. So you want to bum somebody out and tell them how bad things really are. Share this stream with them. And I'll say again, good night, everyone. Indie News Network, collaborative family of independent content creators. Co-hosted only by me, Indy. I'm founder and editor of Indie Left News and Indie Media Today. I got Reef Freeland sitting next to me. At Kennedy News. It's Andrew Rivera. I'm the handsome cynic. It's politics and survival. Uh, my name is Jesse Jett. It's American tradition. Subspace monkeys. Welcome to Political Fight Club. I'm Robert Durden. I mean, I mostly make Gord Brian and... Big Man Crab Joe. Keep up those great videos. Hey guys, it's Yeti. Uh, coming at you. Hello, my name is Lucy from Big Moon Red Wine. This is Grizz Legion. people.